Our scripture today comes from Deuteronomy. Deuteron- wow, I didn't say that very well, did I? Let me try that again. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I, com- that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of God for the people of God. All right. How many of you guys hated the first sermon of this series? I did. It was terrible. All those statistics, kids spending so much time on their phone, and then you're like, wait a second. I also spend a lot of time on my phone. So here's week two of the series that I think everybody's been hating. But it'll be good. Yeah? You guys ready for it? Okay. So... Uh, again, let me, let me reiterate this. We're not saying as a church, we're not taking a stand as a church against technology or against cell phones. I would hope that's not the message that we're communicating. Uh, but like any tool, how we use technology and how we use our phones will determine its impact. And so over these next three weeks, over the four weeks of this series, we are going to discuss the meaning of each letter in the acronym TECH. And last Sunday, we discussed T, take time to be bored. Did you guys like that message, take time to be bored? How many of you took time? Yeah. (laughs) How many of you took time to be bored this week? I did. I was like, you know what? I'm feeling in the mood to be bored. And I just went for it, guys. And last week, we shared some shocking statistics. It was uh, Apple's own screen time tracking system. A lot of people came up to me in the first service and they were like, as Charlie was preaching, the screen time tracking system sent me a message. It was down 18%. I was like, yeah, way to go. That's what I'm talking about. Good job. But their own screen time tracking system said that millennials, Generation X, and baby boomer generations all spend over a month of their life on their phones per year. And that was a shocking statistic. And the statistic caused me to ask the question, what could possibly allow these three separate generations to spend all of this time on their screen? And the one word answer that I came up with was fear. It was fear. So then we had to answer the question, what are we afraid of? We have an unhealthy and imbalanced fear of boredom. This desire to avoid boredom draws us to our phones. And I want to remind you guys of the words of Sherry Turkle from her book, Reclaiming Conversations, that we talked about last week. We say we turn to our phones when we're bored. And we often find ourselves bored because we have become accustomed to a constant feed of connection, information, and entertainment. We are forever elsewhere. Our phones give the false sense of demanding little and giving a lot. But if you'll remember the opposite, is actually true. Our phones, our technology, often demand a lot while offering us very little. Therefore, 
if we want to have the abundant life, that abundant life that we talked about last week, the abundant life that Jesus spoke about promising to us, the abundant life that God desires for us to have, we must not learn to turn to technology to hide from boredom, but actually face the risk of boredom in order to discover something better, something greater. And 19-year-old Amy Crouch from her book, My Tech Wise Life, 19-year-old, that was crazy. She said that the cure for boredom is not distraction. The cure for boredom is wonder. And if we want to enjoy that abundant life that I was talking about, the abundant life that Jesus talks about, and that God is offering to us, we must learn to look for the wonder and the awe of life rather than hiding behind our screens from boredom. And so this week, I want us to look at the second letter in the acronym TECH, E, engage who you are with. And there's a lot of you out there that don't know, uh, but I am currently in the process of applying to Asbury Seminary. Uh, I'm going to go online. Don't worry, I'm not leaving you guys. You're stuck with me, so I'm here. And uh, while, I was, while I was applying for it and while I was listening to Charlie's sermon in the first service and while we were preparing for the sermon as a preaching team, Charlie was speaking about how uh, he, he wanted to go to seminary, and I think I had this notion too, that going to seminary was going to make me a better preacher and it was going to make me a better pastor. And I think that seminary is there to improve those aspects of, of a minister, but what Charlie spoke about and what sticks with me about seminary is that the ultimate goal of seminary was to make me, to make Charlie, to make whoever goes a better, healthier, and stronger follower of Christ. And seminary should make me a more equipped disciple. And I want us to keep that perspective in mind as we go through the sermon because it's going to be important for what I share next. So Charlie also spoke about, he goes to Tulsa every now and then, uh, and he gets to listen to a real person speak to him instead of online. And uh, he was hearing a, a lecture from Dr. Steve Siemens. And in that lecture, Dr. Siemens said, the original theological seminary is the family. The original theological seminary is the family. In other words, the original environment that was originally tended, intended and structured to make me and you a better disciple, a stronger disciple, and a follower of Christ was not the seminary. It wasn't even the church. It was the family. That was the original intent of the family, was to make us stronger and better and healthier disciples of Jesus Christ. The original and sacred purpose of the family, I think, is clearly communicated in our verse uh, that we read earlier. And it's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And how many of you know that if the original mechanism that God intended for raising healthy and faithful followers of Christ is the family, then that's going to be what's going to come under the most attack from our enemy, Satan. 
And we know that the family has been under attack in the past, and even now in the present, and it will be under attack in the future. But I think one of the more subtle attacks that the enemy uh, uses is through technology. It's through technology. It's not technology in itself. Just like money itself isn't bad, it's the love of or the use of, right? We are now beginning to see the impact that this worldwide pandemic has on individuals and it had on technology. And I wanted to share with you guys a study done by eMarketer. It found that in response to the pandemic, electronic device usage nearly doubled among kids in the United States. And I don't know if you guys were here when we shared the statistics about the device usage in teenagers and 8 to 12-year-olds last week, but let me just remind you that U.S. teens are averaging seven hours per day on their phone. And that number increases to nearly 10 hours a day when you include homework. And kids 8 to 12, they average four hours per day, and then it jumps to nearly six hours when you include homework. And if you think about that, seven hours per day, that's like a full-time job that these, these teenagers and these kids are devoting to their screens. They're working a full-time job for their screens. And last week we shared that many people turn to technology to hide from boredom, which I think is probably true in the case of teens and kids, but if you'll remember that first statistic, the technology usage for kids and for teens nearly doubled during the pandemic. So if you double the numbers that we just said, that's some high numbers. That's a lot of hours on screens. And that tells me this, that students, they're not turning to technology only when they're bored, but they're also using technology to cope with stress, to cope with depression, to cope with anxiety, and to cope with fear. And, and we might do the same thing as adults. And just in a, as an example, I want to paint you guys a picture. So picture this. You are home, and nobody's there. You're home alone, right? You're listening to music, either through your headphones or, or through your phone, or you're watching TV. And then all of a sudden, in another room, you hear a noise. Now remember, you're home alone, you're listening to music, or you're watching TV, and you hear a noise in another room. What do you do? Turn it up. You turn it up and you just forget about it. And that, that's what I did. I, I remember sitting at home on the couch and I saw something fly past in the hallway and I was like, I can't, that's not a bird. No way that I don't like birds. I'm afraid of birds. I saw it just fly and I was like, nope. And I just put on my ear pods and I just turned it up and I just forgot about it. But that, that's just a, a silly example of we cope with, with stress, we cope with depression, we cope with anxiety, we cope with fear, with technology. And the temptation in our families to flee to an online environment when real life is difficult can be a symptom of something that is much deeper. And for that, I want to turn to Sherry Turkle's book again, Reclaiming Conversations, and it addresses what lies below this symptom. She says, in families, the flight from conversation adds up to a crisis and mentorship. We need family conversations because of the work that they do, beginning with what they teach children about themselves and how to get along with other people. To join in conversation is to imagine another mind, to empathize, and to enjoy gesture, humor, and irony in the medium of talk. And if we all agree that 
the family was the original theological seminary. God intended for the family to be, to be the foundational environment that makes us into stronger followers of Christ and equips us for those hardships and those difficult things that life throws at us. And I want to stop for a moment and acknowledge that a lot of us here did not grow up with the most healthy or helpful family environments. And that, that is unfortunate. And much of that was something that we couldn't control, something that you couldn't control, something that was out of my control. And there are many sources of scripture and biblical teaching that can help us heal from the wounds from these family environments that weren't good. But what I'm talking about today is what can we control within our families now? What can we do differently within our immediate family now to enable it to, an oper- to operate as God intended? And I want to ask, what is preventing your family? What is preventing your family from being a foundation that enables you and those you love, those who are closest to you, into navigating life's hardships together? And those are deep and piercing questions. And due to the different family backgrounds, there can be many different answers. But this morning, I want to provide you with with one answer that we as a preaching team came up with. And the answer is the presence of cell phones. It's not even the use of cell phones. It's the presence of cell phones. The mere presence of your cell phone can have impacting, can, can impact your family's ability to be a resource where deep and helpful conversations, supportive conversations about life's hardships can happen. And I, I want to make this point further. Phones are making it easier for us to run to technology, to hide from hardships, rather than to engage in healthy relationships to deal with the hardships. And in the book, Reclaiming Conversations, again, she says that studies show that the mere presence of a cell phone on a table, even a cell phone turned off, changes what people talk about. And I think this this was crazy when I read this. If we think that we might be interrupted, we keep conversations light on topics of little controversy or consequence. And conversations with, phone, with phones on the landscape block empathetic connection. If two people are speaking and there is a phone on a nearby desk, each feels less connected to the other and when the, than when there is no phone present. Even a silent phone disconnects us. As with many other aspects of life, we are tempted to be with each other but also elsewhere. So with that being said... I want to ask you guys a painful question. And this is a question that's painful for me to answer. But what I want to ask is, when was the last time that you spent time with your family or with your significant other without a phone anywhere in the area, without a phone present? That's a tough question. And if research that is telling us that the mere presence of phone is the mere presence of phone is disrupting our ability to have healthy and abiding relationships. Shouldn't we be intentional about having phone-free time with those that we love and those that we are closest to? And I want to remind you guys that the God that we serve, right, the God of this church is the Christian God and is a God of community, a God of connection, a God of mutual support, Would you guys agree? And if that is who our Christian God is, 
shouldn't we model our families after the God that provides for those families? And again, uh, turning to this book, Reclaiming Conversations. Relationships deepen, not because we necessarily say anything particular, but because we are invested enough to be fully present and show up for another conversation. In family conversations, children learn that what can matter most is not the information shared, but the relationship sustained. It is hard to sustain those relationships if you're on your phone. And so how should we as a church, should we as individuals, should we as members of families respond to this convicting information? First, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that today we're going to get up and put our phones on the altar and set it on fire. That's not what we're going to do today for many reasons. Uh, But second... I would encourage you and your family to get creative with how you can enjoy phone-free time together. And because I'm a preacher, because I'm on the preaching team, I make my wife listen to my sermons just to make sure that they're all right. And so I sit my wife down, I'm like, okay, I gotta tell you something. And she's like, what? And so then I get my sermon out real quick and then I start preaching so she doesn't have anywhere to go. She's gotta stay there now. And so I was preaching this sermon she was like, Hayden, this is, this is really good. This is some really good information. And I started telling her about what Charlie and his family does, and they call it No Technology Tuesday, where after school they come home and they don't use technology for the whole rest of the night on Tuesday, which I think was so cool. And I was telling her about it, and I was like, yeah, they, like, they turn off their phones, they put them away, they have candlelight dinner. I was like, that's just so sweet. And she was like, you know what? I've got some ideas too. And I was like, all right, Liz, you <laughs> know, Let's go for it. And so she started just like typing out all these ideas. And so I have this from from Liz, the 15 phone-free family plan, all right? And this is just for you. And I I printed out copies because I thought they were great. I put them on the back at the welcome desk. uh, And I just want to read some of them off. Uh, So we got some ideas, you know, no technology Tuesday, phone-free family Friday, no Wi-Fi Wednesday, Smartphone-less Sunday or Saturday, you know. You can come up with your own names, but we were just giving those to you. Those are free. Uh, No phones at mealtime. A phone-free movie night. Uh, My favorite, Liz was like, are you sure about that one? I was like, oh, yeah. Live an Amish lifestyle for a day or a week or a month. Whatever you guys want to do. If you do a month, (laughs) Good job, you know? That's, that's all I got to say. Uh, here's, here's one that's kind of scary. Use only one phone charger for the whole family. One phone charger, whole family. So if your phone dies, but dad's phone is also dead, sorry about you. <laughs> you get phone free time. Uh, no phones after a certain time at night or no phones before a certain time in the morning. Buy your kid a brick phone or a flip phone, something like that, I don't know. Uh, And then don't go for the unlimited data plan. And so those are just some of them that are on the list, Uh, but I just wanted to give these to you uh, just because I thought they were fun. And I thought that it would be a cool challenge for us to take on. Maybe, Maybe we could have like a checklist of these things and be like, all right, we did that this week, let's do this next week, or something like that. Those are just ideas for you. Uh, But I wanted to leave you with this. 
The key is not necessarily what you do, but what you do without. Find time weekly that you and your family or your significant other can enjoy time together without phones. This phone-free time will allow your conversations and in turn your relationships to deepen and in turn become more abiding. And again, these ideas, they're really easy to discuss. Sometimes they're really fun to discuss, but they're hard to implement. And they're really hard to implement the month after you agreed to it or the, the year after you agreed to it or however long. But I invite everyone uh, right now just to get out your phone. You can, it's okay. This isn't a test. You can, you can get out your phone. Uh, during, during the sermon prep, Charlie was looking at the uh, John Wesley covenant prayer, and he said that he took the liberty to change some of the words to, to adapt to our phones today. I thought it was really cool. So if you're upset about him changing some of the words, that was him, not me. So you can, you can go talk to him about it. But uh, I wanted us to pray this prayer together. We'll have it on the screen Uh, But I just want you to pray this prayer as a dedication of your phone to God as like it's not it's not your own anymore. And it shouldn't be the thing that consumes your time. It should be him. It should be the people that you care about. It shouldn't be this object. So if you will boldly join me in praying this prayer. Father in heaven, this phone is no longer my own, but yours. Put it to what you will. Place it with whom you will. Teach me to use my phone faithfully and to be comfortable suffering without it. Allow my phone to be put to work for you or set aside for you, praised for you or criticized for you. Help me to trust you whether my phone battery is full or empty. I freely and fully surrender this phone in all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. Amen.